You pick up your Bible and wonder, is there more here than meets the eye? Is there something here for me? I mean, it's just words printed on paper, right? Well, it may look like just print on a page, but it's more than ink. Join us for the next half hour as we explore God's Word together, as we learn how to explore it on our own, as we ask God to meet us there in its pages. Welcome to More Than Ink. You know, when Jesus was a baby, a, a holy man came to Mary and said, oh, yeah. and a sword will pierce even your own soul, mm. that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Mm. Today, we'll talk about that, Jesus on the cross. John 19. On More, More Than, than Ink. And welcome. I'm Dorothy. And I'm Jim. And we're sitting here at our dining room table. And we, we so. left off last week in the middle of the events at the cross. Mm-hmm. But now today, we're actually a week after we've celebrated the resurrection. Mm-hmm. And we're mm-hmm. you're kind of, you know, Easter. We've been there. We've done that. But we flipped to the back page and found out who did it. we never yeah. <laughs> get past the cross. Exactly. As we said last yeah. week, the significance of the cross yeah. uh, stands at the center of all history when God right. touched down and saved us by the death of his son. So uh, so we're still in John 19, and we're just going to pick up the text on the cross. And even though we're outside the Christian calendar, per se, you need to come to the cross often to see mm. what goes on here because this is where this is where it all took place yeah yeah so you remember last week we left off uh with Pilate saying hey what i've written i've written i put a sign up and said behold this is the king of the jews and he put it in every common mm-hmm. language so no matter where you were coming from or going to you knew yeah isn't that interesting who this guy was that that Pilate is used by god to basically serve notice to the world mm-hmm. about who he in three different languages that this so, is a king who dies yeah and that's that's going to be the discussion in Jerusalem that week. Not yeah. about Passover. It's going to be, they said he was the king of the Jews. I mean, what's that all about? Yeah. So we're going to wow. get there. Yeah. Just Next fascinating. week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a fascinating thing. 23 is where we're picking up today in chapter 19 of John. So uh, why don't I start? Okay. And we'll just jump in there. Verse 23. So when the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments, divided them into four parts. One part for each soldier. Uh, And also his tunic, but the tunic was seamless. It was woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, well, let's not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. And this was to fulfill the scripture, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, uh, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Okay, let's stop there. Yeah, got to stop there. Yeah. So there's the soldiers at the foot of Jesus at the cross. And they're, 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 they're dividing his clothes. Can you believe it? Well, and this is something over which he would have had no control. Nope. Right? Nope. Uh, But it is a fulfillment of prophecy. Mm -hmm. It's very specifically stated, actually, in Psalm 22. And we encouraged you last week to go back and read Psalm 22 
and uh, and watch for the things that were fulfilled at the cross. In yeah, I have that verse right here in front of me. It, it, Psalm twenty two eighteen. They divide my garments among them, and for, for my, my clothing, clothing they cast, cast lots. lots. Right. So they're throwing the dice to see who's going to get this this garment. Which, by the way, we're told uh, it was woven in one piece so that it could not easily be torn, and that actually is a description of the tunic of the high priest yes that's right that who's we're told that that garment was woven in one piece and had a binding around the neck to prevent Mm -hmm. it from being torn and that's Mm -hmm. in exodus 28 if you take time to read the garments of the high priests described in exodus you'll see some wonderful things there that point to jesus yeah we won't take time to do it now but who is our high priest yeah it's just one of those little flags waving that tells us this book exodus that's written by Moses a, a thousand years before or earlier than that it and here at the time of Jesus we're seeing those words fulfilled yeah I think it's one of the greatest aspects of biblical exploration if you can if you get your hands around reading both the Old Testament and New Testament mm. which is a great habit to mm. do all of a sudden these little discoveries just start jumping out at you mm-hmm. and you say wait 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 a second oh it th- that that description sounds like what they said about Jesus tunic mm-hmm. when he was on the cross I mean could it be that there's a connection being made about our high priest? Mm. Well, and if you are newish to Bible reading, maybe you don't realize that very often in your New Testament, there will be some sort of indication that the Old Testament is being quoted. Uh, in most of the editions that they we use, it. yeah. it's in all capital letters. Right. But right. that might not be that way in every, or, in every edition. Or here, John just says explicitly right. to that, fulfill the scriptures fulfill in case scripture. you missed it. But you sometimes you have to go hunting for where That's that right. is. And there That's should right. be a cross-reference. In your yeah. So, you know, if, you, if you're new to Bible reading, in your Bible layout, on the page layout, there's usually a, a, a center column reference or a side reference. There's this little strip that has tiny little letters and it's got different <laughs> Bible verses and it's got little footnote connections to the verses you're reading in the center of it. Those, those will take you to these places. Right. I mean, the people have already made those connections. And so you do well if you if you look at one of those and say, hey, there's a little letter on this verse. I wonder what they're talking about. And you look in the side column reference or the center reference and says, well, go to Psalm 22. And, whoosh, and you swip over to Psalm 22 and you read it and you go, oh, wow. This is so important in understanding a book like the Bible and learn, understanding its unity. Yeah. That one of the key things we need to to apply is to allow the Bible to interpret itself. Mm-hmm. And so always track down those cross references, If there's, especially if there's a question in your Big mind. Deal. Well, where is that? And where did that show up before? Yeah, yeah. So God, God has laid this, it's, it's almost like a giant jigsaw puzzle in a way that mm-hmm. you can delight in discovering these things. And a lot of people have done, spent their whole lives discovering these things. And it also brings us back to the point we made last time that the crucifixion is not just an accidental train right. wreck. It wasn't just this horrible it was, thing, it horrible was accident. It was predicted and it was determined by God and there it is and it's been talked about hundreds of years Yeah, before. so John says specifically, so the so, soldiers did these did things them. because it had been prophesied yeah, they that they had would. To. Yeah, they just had right? to. And crucifixion was unknown in uh-huh. the time when Psalm 22 was written. Yeah. So yeah. that description, which is so clearly a crucifixion, uh, and Isaiah 53 also yeah. uh, was is again demonstrated to be prophetic. Yeah, it's interesting too that if if someone dies, you know, you divide their clothes amongst you, you divide whatever they own, and so what's odd is that you you would simultaneously both divide all their clothing and then cast lots for them. Why not just divide up the clothing and be done with it? Well, because this was a thing. This was a recognized garment of value. Exactly. So no one could have predicted that they would be doing right. both. Because essentially, Jesus owned nothing. Yeah. Had, yeah. had nothing. 
Yeah, so this is a full full minute. So let's go to the women standing at the cross and John nearby. I love the personal nature of this. None of the other Gospels tell us this level of detail. John's standing nearby. He's with Jesus' mother, Mary, and Mary's sister. Mm -hmm. We don't have her name. Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. So these are the women who had drawn near to Mary, the mother of Jesus, in her incredible grief. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and shock yeah and jesus at this point is still conscious enough to give thought to his mother he's the firstborn son and it's his responsibility to make sure that his mother is cared for and so he does that he right essentially yeah. as he's dying entrusts her care mm-hmm. to his closest friend yep 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 you know if i was in if i was in the throes of my last breaths of dying uh i'm not sure i'd be that coherent but he's fulfilling his duty as a son, and he's caring for Mary. Well, and he's everything Jesus does, as he always lived, but here in these hours on the cross, everything he does and says is deliberate, consciously, mindfully chosen. Mm-hmm. Because just in the next breath, well, we haven't read it yet, but John says, knowing everything was now finished. Right? Yeah. John is always emphasizing through his gospel that Jesus knew. He yeah. knew. Yeah. Again. Not an accidental train wreck. Right. Not a surprise to Jesus. He knew it was coming. You know, I always have fantasized, and this is kind of a strange thing, (laughs) but with the advent of Mary coming to live with John for the rest of her life, Mm -hmm. probably. And there's speculation about how long that lasted. Some people think that when John went off to Ephesus that Mary went with her. Yeah, there's actually good tradition to that. So, But I mean, wouldn't it be interesting to be in their living room with John asking Mary questions about Jesus? Wouldn't that make a great... Oh, about his childhood, you mean? Great, yeah, a great kind of short story or something. I mean, you can make it as... It's all speculation. but It is. But I've always wondered about how much of the early parts of John's gospel was gleaned through his living room conversations with his mom. Hmm. I mean, that that's just a, that's a fascinating kind of prospect. I just sort of think about that. Anyway, well, let's move on. So We're going to run out of time. We're going to run out of time. Yeah, okay. So uh, 28. So after this, after entrusting his mother to John, this is verse 28, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. so mm. he said some other things from the cross, but John has just zeroed in on these couple of things. Right, right. Uh, the, the, the living water himself being thirsty, mm-hmm. which again, Psalm 22 describes my tongue is cleaving to the roof of my mouth. That's right, yeah. Right. That's right. And this and this has a really explicit prophecy in Psalm 69. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I brought it up so I could read that. It says, now listen how close this is. This is, Psalm, this is a song they sang. And for my thirst, they gave me sour wine mm-hmm. to drink. Well, that's pretty straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So again, if you're, you know, if you're reading around the Bible and you have to come across this in Psalms and you read that and go, wait a second, that's what happened with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Was this a prefiguring of what was going to happen? Yeah, it was. Just to give you another little drop, you know, the little penny drops in the machine, you go, wait a second. Everyone knew this was going to happen in heaven. It was a surprise to us. Yeah. But isn't it interesting that John says, now, Jesus, knowing that everything was now finished. Mm -hmm. So that tells us that the other things that he said from the cross, the direct quote 
from Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. Which the other gospels tell us about, um, that he knew, all, he had spoken all of those things. Mm-hmm. So he's aware now, it's done. Everything has been finished. And remember back in chapter 13, John had said, Jesus, knowing that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, knowing that everything was going to unfold the way it did, knowing what he knew, he did what he did. And so again, John's giving us this little insight. Jesus, knowing it was accomplished, says it's finished. He died voluntarily they did not take his life he laid it down yeah and if you analyze the interactions with Pilate, there's just so many Mm -hmm. places jesus could have stopped the forward progress of this thing yeah but he doesn't but he doesn't and he says it's finished very famous word tetelestai means it's finished and lots of speculation of well what's finished well everything's finished because when you get to the cross and the crucifixion and the payment for the price of our own sins the whole the one sacrifice for all time. Yeah, it's yeah. done. Yeah, once for all, for everyone. It made me think as well, too, if you go back again, if you ever read Daniel, hmm. <laughs> during the time of the Babylonian captivity and Daniel's taken in, there's a lot of interesting prophetic things that Daniel talks about. But but one, he talks about the Messiah Prince, the Mashiach Nagid, and he talks about the Messiah Prince and the timing of the coming of the Mashiach Nagid. Right, and, right, it's and very he uses, specific. He uses this word finish in that, it just dawned on me, where he says, you know, oh. there'll be 70 weeks until, until the finish of transgression. Yes. Oh, oh, oh. I, yeah, I'm looking for that verse isn't because that, it's so amazing. Yeah. So, so it is finished in many ways. It, it, it's a finish. It's the end to the problem of the transgressions as well. And it, just oh, what here it Daniel, is. Daniel nine. Daniel somewhere. nine twenty four. Listen okay. to this because actually I was using this in Bible study the other day and talking to some women about what the the significance of the mountain, the holy city, mm-hmm. the place where God placed His name. So this is Daniel nine twenty four. Seventy weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city. Now we're not going to get into the seventy weeks. Yeah, That's a, not our purpose more than here. Today, yeah. But listen to what God says is going to happen there. This is amazing. 70 weeks for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, seal up the vision and the prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. Mm. (gasps) All Mm. of that was taking place on those hours on the cross. An end of mm-hmm. sin, an atonement, the anointing of the holy place with yes, the blood say, of the eternal when lamb. When you look at the crucifixion, there's more going on than meets the eye here. Oh, and when you read gosh. it in the context of Daniel 9, yeah, it's the end of transgression. It's the end of sin. End the of, sin. of sin. Yeah, mm-hmm. just astonishing. It's astonishing. He's not just saying my life is finished. He's saying that the problem of sin that separates man from God has been taken care of, and the work that needs to be done is finished. And Jesus did that work, not us. Yeah, and Paul says in in Colossians 2, 14, uh, you were dead in your transgressions, in 13, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with Christ, having forgiven us all our transgressions. Now listen to this. Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, he's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's the picture our sin our transgression was nailed to the cross when jesus died yeah in fact the uh what's nailed to the cross in this particular um 
uh, example is the charges against right. Jesus. The charges. <laughs> but but were we in his place on the cross, which is where we should have been, what would be nailed over our heads would be our sins. Mm-hmm. And they've been nailed to the cross on on top of Jesus' name there, and they've been taken care of. I mean, the picture is just The, the picture is profound. inescapable. Well, we need to move on. Oh, we need to I move know. on. We move into a section <laughs> that only John talks about when we get to verse 31. Since it was the day of preparation, again, he tells us time is of the essence here. Time the clock is, is ticking. Tick, tick, They've tick. got to get this done before the sun goes down. And so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day. The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and the other who had been crucified with him. But when so those guys were still alive, they were by alive. the way. Yeah. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead, and they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he's telling the truth that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says they will look on him whom they've pierced. Well, thank you, John, for alerting us to the fact that there's prophecies being fulfilled again, here. Again, <laughs> the Lamb of God, yeah. none of whose bones of that sacrificed lamb were to be broken. Right. And that was a prerequisite of the Passover lamb in Exodus. That's what I'm saying. That's what yeah. I'm alluding to. Yeah. 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 That was a big, big deal. If you read through Exodus, you read the first Passover, you prepare a lamb to be sacrificed and none right. of its bones are to be broken. That's right. Exodus it's Exodus 12, 46. Yeah. Exodus 12. None yeah. of his bones. Yeah. So you put those connections together. Oh, and, my goodness. And thank God for side references in your Bible page yeah, that tell you that. you know, that would have been a question in their minds, like, why not? Yeah. Why, why, why not? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> right. Why not? Because God but, was laying down the picture. But in order to fulfill that prophecy, you also have to remove any doubt that he actually died. Right. He was really and truly dead. So we need to make sure of that. So that's why they pierce his side. So that's really important because there's a lot of people out there that say, oh, well, he, you know, he didn't really die. Yeah, he passed and out. He something. was swooned and right. woke up again in the cool of the tomb. Yeah. But, you know, that Romans knew how to kill people. Yeah, right. And that right. upward thrust from the spear that then the clear separation of the blood plasma and the red blood cells coming out, that indicated his heart had stopped beating yeah. the blood long enough that the blood had separated. A lot of medical speculation on that these days, which is pretty cool, actually. It's not yeah. speculation. Well, I was going to say, yeah, that's no, medical. It's documentation. About what yeah. It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I've always found it fascinating in 35 where John's basically saying, hey, you know, it's me. I, I saw it. I, I I'm bearing it. witness here. This testimony is true. He knows that he's telling the truth that you also may believe. He John's was saying, really I saw this, man. Dead. I saw this. Yeah. Man, I saw this for myself and I'm writing it down for you right. Well, now. and I think it's it's Mark's gospel that tells us that when they went to Pilate and asked for the body or asked for the legs to be broken, he said, what are they? Or asked for the body. Well, the are body. they dead already? And yeah. he asked for the centurion who said, oh, yeah, he's dead. He's dead. They knew death. They, they knew right. he was dead. Yeah, everyone everyone at the time knew he was dead. That was not There's the question. Not question. I'm, we raise that now 2,000 years later. No one, that's, no one, no one That's in contradiction crucifixion. to what the people on the spot <laughs> saw and witnessed. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we need to move on. 38? Yeah. Yeah, let me read 38 for us. So after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for mm. fear of the Jews, asked Pilate 
that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and he took away his body. And Nicodemus also, mm-hmm. remember him? Yeah, back three. in chapter three. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus, bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as was the burial custom of the Jews. Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, Again. tick, 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 tick. Since the tomb was close at hand, tick, 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 tick. They laid Jesus there. Wow. <laughs> Who would have ever guessed? Isn't it interesting that, that these two guys come back into the story? Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. Yes. And Joseph yes. of Arimathea had been a believer, but secretly. Mm-hmm. For fear of the uh, and Jewish leaders. And there's nothing secret about the fact that he went to Pilate and asked for the body. Right. Right. Something about the death right. of Jesus propelled him from secrecy into public that's ownership. That's why, why Nicodemus came at night. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nicodemus but, was well-placed in the Jewish leadership. And here he is, Nicodemus, yeah. lugging this jar full of spices. Right. Right. So they they became public in their mm-hmm. in their love for Jesus. What what incredible courage. You see very few people here that with this kind of boldness and courage, except for maybe Jesus' mom and her friends and yeah. and these two well-placed guys who had a lot to lose. Yeah, well, and Nicodemus was actually a member of the Sanhedrin, wasn't he? He was. So he was, he was, he was a highly he was placed religious one leader. one of them who would have been part of the decision-making process, but I think one of the Gospels tells us, but he wasn't there. Yeah, probably because they knew. Because they knew, and it was it was all of his. Uh, he would never have agreed. It was all of his coworkers in the leadership right. that were out there crying, crucify him, crucify right. him. Yeah. So this this probably we don't know, but this probably cost them greatly. So this had to be done fast. Yeah. Late in the day, they had to finish it before the sun went down on the this high holy day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, you you gotta wonder where Mary would have been because this would have been the job of the family. To take care of the body. Yeah, that's right. That's why this is so unusual. It's, and it's so, it just grabs my heart. You know, if you have lost someone, someone you love has died, especially in a, in a violent, unexpected manner, you know how important it is to reckon the body as dead. It's a big deal. Right, to, to come to terms with that. And one of the things that we've kind of lost in our culture is this, uh, this closeness to the dying process and the death and the actual caring for the body of our dead. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking that that must have been part of that sword that pierced Mary's soul. Right. Like Simeon had said to her that even Simeon in his said death, the beginning. Yeah. She, was, she couldn't even get close until... Yeah. <laughs> until later <laughs> yeah i've always wondered whether mary herself had come to joseph of arimathea and nicodemus and said can you do this can you do me? this we're away I've from home wondered. i can't we, do it yeah I, it's we don't know but the the family would be the natural people to take mm-hmm. the initiative on this and they're not yeah. and also another thing that would have been natural is they would have they would have taken jesus body and buried him in the family tomb which right. for jesus was either in bethlehem or nazareth but they were away from home but they were away from home mm-hmm. and time was wasting and so right, it says right near where the crucifixion took place, they saw a tomb that had not been used in a garden. Mm-hmm. And so to be expeditious, they put him there. And we know it was owned by Joseph of Arimathea. So, yeah. and this also satisfies a bunch of prophecies. <laughs> who would have ever known? Who would yeah. ever have predicted? With strangers in his death. It just doesn't make yeah. any sense. Well, we're, we're out of time. I would recommend to you as a little bit of homework. Uh, read Zechariah twelve ten. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's one of those little side comments in your reference that you'll see about him being pierced. It's a marvelous 
It's a marvelous passage. I'm not even going to read it for you. I'm not going to read it. But no, look it up. No. Zechariah 12, 10 talks about uh, being pierced. And actually, it's really good news about the fact that even though Jesus died at the hands of the Jewish leaders, a day is coming when they'll look upon him whom they have pierced. I won't, I won't, no, more, I won't no more plot spoiler. Just go take a look. Zechariah 12, 10. It makes a lot of connection with what we looked at right here. And go back and read the other gospel accounts. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. the, of the of the crucifixion. What took place during those hours on the cross? Yeah, uh, it, because it will fill in the whole story. You know, Luke gives us a, some other details, but Luke is the careful historian at a little bit of emotional distance. Yeah, he is. John yeah. was close enough to touch. Yeah, yeah. And so when he says, "I saw this," and I'm telling you this so that you may believe. The Lamb yes. of God was truly slain. Yep, yep. Yeah, I've borne witness to you, and my testimony is true. Mm-hmm. I saw it with my own eyes. So before you go into John 20, imagine the devastation, mm-hmm. the emotional devastation in the people's hearts who welcomed him on Palm Sunday with great adulation about here's the King of the Jews, blessed be you who comes in the name of the Lord. Less than a week later. Less, yeah, less than a week later, and all of a sudden, all of those hopes, all of those aspirations are dashed because without question, and no one's questioning it, this man Jesus is dead. And they're heading into the Sabbath, this high holy day, when all of this great celebration was taking place, mm. but they are in profound grief and yep. shock. Yep. And they cannot, by Jewish law, do anything nope. but hold still for the morning of the what, third day. What a hard weekend. Oh, and that and was. the Lord Jesus, like he did with Lazarus, lets them go through it. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very hard. If you can get yourself into that skin, if you can walk in their mm. shoes for a second before you get to chapter 20, then what transpires in the resurrection is just extraordinarily good news. <laughs> extraordinarily good news. But this is a tough weekend right here. After a day and a day and a half in the dark, yeah. not knowing, oh, and so just grieving. Hard. So hard. Those poor guys to Emmaus, we thought he was the one. So anyway, I'm Jim. And I'm Dorothy. And we're glad you're with us, and we pick up the story chapter 20 next week on More Than, Than Ink. More Than Ink is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City and is solely responsible for its content. To contact us with your questions or comments, just go to our website, morethaninc.org. There it is. There it is.